Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from the Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Officially, the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2014 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me this week is Brad, and only Brad. Fuck James. Yeah, he's in New Orleans, probably talking to Matthew McConaughey. Doesn't McConaughey live down there? Probably. But um, I, I I've been wondering how to breach this subject, but I, I think he's quit the show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why? I'm making a joke. I know. Come on, play with me. No, I said. I said why. <laughs> Uh, you have uh, to come up with something because he hates us and um, he thinks he can do it better than we can. And he says he can grow a better beard than you. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's he has a lot up. of experience at it. And he's down in New Orleans. Probably is that where eating. he's really at? Yeah, he's at a conference for his job. <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot of information about that. Yeah, I, that's well, that's what I know he's done. Well, either way, for. he's not here, yeah. and he doesn't care about the show because he cares about his job more than us. Yeah, I need to make a living. Fuck that guy. Yeah, forget him. Anyways, me and Brad are here. And me and Brad went and saw Draft Day this week. And every week, we, we go see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. And we'll tell you all about Kevin Costner's new movie <laughs> a couple weeks later. Yeah. I don't know. I We've been really behind on movies, like but, as far as picking them. For the show, like we haven't done a recent movie like on the week it's come out in about three or four weeks. Well, because nothing's cool. I mean, that Brink Mansions looks okay, but it looks okay. <laughs> and then what else came out this week? I don't even know. Don't oh, that know. Other, other woman. I think I'm going to pay to see Cameron Diaz and Which Leslie Mann. Which we saw a trailer for. Yeah. <laughs> Drink a Cosmo. Yeah, probably not. Fuck that. We're men. We need to see football. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Football! Football, woo! <laughs> Uh, we don't have any fan mail this week, Brad. Sorry. Again. Uh, we do. We ha- we get a lot of fan mail. I just weed out the ones that uh, don't mean anything. I only I only read the ones that from That's people nice. I like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That encourages people to write into the show. But I do have an announcement, Brad. This Tuesday is the 10th anniversary screening of Invasion of the Twilights. <laughs> it is? <laughs> it is. Isn't it, aren't you showing it at uh, uh, open screen night, right? Yeah, I'm... I'm- I think I'm going to, yes. <laughs> oh, you still don't know yet? Well, I don't know, because I want, I want to celebrate it, but I think it's just going to be me there, <laughs> which doesn't really feel like a celebration. And then there's some uh, like local film critics that are going to be there, and I already know it's bad. <laughs> whoa, whoa, it. whoa, whoa. It's not great. I mean, the Lo- local people film... involved are great, but uh, the actual final product isn't so great. Uh, local film critics, what are they doing? They're actually critiquing the stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, one of them is Zach, so I'll twist his arm and make him like it. But um, Zach Eastman's not a local film critic; he's a local filmmaker. He's a film uh, filmmaker, but I mean, that night they'll be critics. They're judges. They're judging that night. That's what I'm saying. So, what are you going to show? Well, uh, probably uh, Twilight's, but I might do my the first three months of my video project too. But I don't know. Are you going to go? I have to close that night. Yeah, I should probably do it. I should probably shouldn't do it. Adam's not going to go. I don't think Natalie's aware. I would go, but I have to open and close, I think, at my job because I pulled my assistant manager out because another area of this Mexican restaurant I work at did not have enough managers. So I have to work a lot until they put one in my store. 
which should be Wednesday, but he's coming from Baltimore. We'll see. Okay, well, yeah. But if I didn't have to, I would definitely be there. Well, thank you. To see my horrible acting. <laughs> Actually, it's not too bad. I was really camping it on purpose because that's what we were going for. Yeah, well, you guys are great in it. It's just the final product in the script are kind of... Because, you know, it's a movie we made before I even went into film classes. Mm-hmm. And we we just were fans of the show. That I guess we should say on... it's it's based on the Dick Van Dyke <laughs> episode. It may look like a walnut. Yeah, which and, you should see. And the, the idea behind it was to make an actual version of the movie that they're talking about what they're they watched. Because you never really see it. Yeah, but we didn't re- even stick to that. Like the characters aren't even the ones that they're like Colax in it. But like mm-hmm. Evelyn is actually the woman. But we changed it to Rob and Laura because it's it's an homage to the show. Homage to the show. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. And it's it's not shot great. Um, it's not written very well, except for one line, <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't written. <laughs> that wasn't written. Um, so yeah, so go see it at the Oriental Theater. It's at the Oriental this month, right? Yep. Cool. But just go see local filmmakers' debut stuff. Is there anything that you know that's going to be good there? Nope. I have no idea what else because that's the idea behind Open Screen Night is people don't pre-program. You just walk in with what you got. And so if you're like, oh, I have this movie I want to show, how much does it cost, Brad, to showcase your movie there? Just $5. $5. And you can it's on a big screen. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's like watching your movie in a movie theater. And uh, you can win some prizes. Yeah. If, uh, I've won prizes the there. judges enjoy it. Huh? We've won prizes there. Yeah. Realist For... Pod Show's won second place twice. Yeah. So we're always pieces of shit. <laughs> second place isn't pieces of shit. It's because it's a number two. Oh. <laughs> it's a shit joke. <laughs> it's a shit joke. It's a shit joke. <laughs> yeah, it's a shitty joke, literally. Um, so yeah, we also talk about movie news. Uh, if you, but if you go to Open Screen Night, make sure you say hi to Brad. Brad's on the board there, and he'll be waving. Uh, we won second place, but just so you know, Brad doesn't judge the movies. He has completely washes his hands. That in fact, the day that we co-hosted, Brad was not even involved in the co-hosting. So that's uh, right. He has other things to do. So. Don't think it's rigged, guys. Don't think it's rigged. Yeah. There's no prefer- preferential treatment. No. So Brad doesn't even vote. He just right. sits in the back and makes sure it runs right. Which it always will. Right, Brad? That's right. <laughs> always be a good show. But we just talk about things, movies. Um, we also talk about a comic book. You should read. Do you have a comic book this week, Brad? I don't. I always ask you just in case. I mean, I obviously have one. No, um, but just keep piling up. I, yeah. Someday I'll get back into <laughs> Yeah, You're busy right things. now. It's a shame, too, because there's a lot of cool stuff going on in here. There is. In comics world. There is. Uh, so I'll have a comic book for you. Hint, spider senses are tingling. <sighs> yep. Uh, but, yeah. Let's start the show with stuff that's coming out on Blu-ray next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. No, really Nothing. Um, the biggest release is Legend of Hercules, which came out, I think, in January um, that nobody saw. That's weird. I saw a trailer for Hercules. <laughs> yeah. In our mood the, the other one that actually looks kind of cool. I think it looks it'd be better if it's rated R, but I have a feeling it's going to be PG-13. Mm. Um, Labor Day, which James really wanted to see, uh, is the Kate Winslet, Josh B- James Brolin <laughs> movie. Um, He's is, watched- no, it is Josh Brolin, isn't it? His son? Which one's yeah, Josh? Yeah. Josh Brolin, yeah. He's probably watching it on pay-per-view in his hotel room. And <laughs> probably. Movie. After Everyone's mud. Right yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's like spring of mud. <laughs> yeah, you guys you know, go to dinner. I'm going to go watch mud in my, my, my hotel room again. You know, I was going to watch mud this week, but, you know, James isn't going to be here. So I'm like, oh, I can't watch it. I got to make sure I watch it. And I know that he's going to be here. So 
I can say it's not all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, and really, the only other movie of note, I mean, they're releasing a, a lot of uh, Godzilla movies on Blu-ray, but none of them, like, they have a Criterion Godzilla that looks awesome. But the ones that they're releasing are his subsequent sequels that no one cares about. It's like, Godzilla versus Moth person, or <laughs> I don't think that's one of them, but... You're close, is Mothra. <laughs> is it Mothra? Um, You're but almost it, there. But it's one of those like ones you don't care about. Uh, but the only other big one is one you saw from last year, but I never got around to seeing as Escape from Tomorrow, yeah. which is the uh, people who snuck onto Disney and filmed without their permission, which is, is that, you said it was a rental, right, Brad? I, I, yeah. Or I, maybe not even see it all. I don't remember. It's so weird and it's kind of boring. I don't know if it's really like worth, because you'd think that like the whole mystique of sneaking on there and like well they got in normally but they snuck the footage like recording to, and editing into a movie but a good chunk of the movie is also just like these green screen sets mm. that aren't um you know they just use background video yeah. and they're actually in a different place so they're not really in the park so that's kind of a bummer too because they sold it on oh look what we did and that they really I mean, from your description, it's like, oh, let's shoot this really fast and then get out of here. Yeah. And then it's not, it's not like a traditional linear story. It's very much mm -hmm. like a David Lynch, like, what's going on here type of thing. So, yeah, Same. I don't know. It's not for everybody. Maybe I'll, if they put it on Netflix, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah. Which I'm sure they will. Or Amazon Prime. I have both. We'll see. So that's really all that's coming out. Nothing really cool. It's just like the movies released right now. It's just before summer. So there's really nothing like left for them to release because everyone's going to go to the movie theaters. So yeah. every once in a while, something noteworthy slips through. Um, cool. I wonder what was the number one movie last week. I want to say the red, white, and blue. This is the box office stats. It was. It was Captain America at 25 million three weeks in a row. That's the second movie this year to yeah. number one three weeks in a row. Um, which is it's actually surprising people because everyone thinks it's a good movie. But the first cap, I think, made one seventy something. So this one's already over two hundred million. So it's a better story and uh, better made movie. So, but it's also had like weak competition. Yeah, and I mean they so, released it the right time. Yeah. Um, just like uh, Thor improved on the original Thor because they released it in November, and they know there's gonna be no other superhero movies. They know that the only thing they were competing with was the Hunger Games, but it didn't open for three weeks before then. So they said, you know what, put this out, makes it two hundred million dollars. Smart marketing. Yeah. Um, they should have been doing this for years. Yeah, because it I doesn't mean, matter what time of year people are going to go see a movie that they want to see. You know, because this year at Christmas, I thought there was way too many movies out. And um, so they just spread them out because people will go see the movie if the movie's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have definitely made it a point of that now that March has become kind of a big movie place as well. Yeah, Christmas Day had, what, six, seven like yeah. high-profile movies? And how can you even see them time? all? Yeah. Um, in second place was Heaven is for Real. With $22 million. Sometimes you just never know. People love Christianity. They do. Uh, the movie we saw, not surprisingly, Transcendence, bombed at $10 million. Not surprisingly? Yeah. I, I don't think that movie was going to do well based on the trailers. I thought it was going to do better than it did, but I don't think it was going to be Captain America. Yeah. Uh, it cost $120 million to make, too. Which is... The talent behind the camera and making it is there. Just the movie was meh. Yeah. Poor Johnny Depp. If he's not fucking weird in a movie, then it doesn't make any money. <laughs> That's it. 
That's box office numbers. Cool. And you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. We're going to do comic books now. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. So the final issue of Superior Spider-Man came out. Much to the delight of Spider-Man fans everywhere. Um, it's so funny now that it ended, a lot of people are going, I'm really going to miss Superior Spider-Man. And of course, when Superior Spider-Man came out, I can't believe they did this to Peter Parker. People are such douches. As if they didn't expect Amazing Spider-Man to ever come back. <laughs> exactly. But which is which is amazing about it, though, is... I mean, The Amazing Spider-Man is now up to... Number one is up to 700,000 copies pre-ordered. That's amazing for a comic book nowadays. Um, so, uh, in a way, it worked out really well for Marvel. Um, the the stories for a superior were either hit or miss. I, I really liked the intrigue of the B stories. I didn't like the A story of Spider-Man being a villain at all hmm. or thinking like one. Anyways, and this one wraps up uh, the Green Goblin's arc uh, in Goblin Nation. It's uh, part five. Uh, spoilers for the last issue 30. Peter Parker came back because Otto Octavius realized he could, he's never going to be as good as Spider-Man and that uh, he doesn't have what it takes to save people from the Green Goblin. Um, there was a big mystery of who the Green Goblin was. Um, there was a lot of suspects. Harry Osborn is back, but he disappeared for a while. Uh, his wife, uh, ex-wife, was is in charge of Oscorp right now, and she was seen in about five issues ago with a goblin mask in her hand. Um, Norman Osborn was miss, has been missing for over a year. Um, so it was really cool. Uh, when Pete comes back, he realizes that he's been a jerk. And so the first half of the issue is him trying to remember trying to figure out what Octavius has done while he's been gone and uh and then he realizes that the green goblin's back and he's attacking everybody obviously that's important to Otto Octavius because the green goblin has figured out that Octavius is Spider-Man um so he kidnaps his girlfriend and he's going to hurt Mary Jane all the usual stuff um but Spider-Man in the meantime figures out that there's a way to reverse the goblin formula and so he cures one of the goblins henchmen to not be a, a green goblin anymore and sets out to find the green goblin and he finds him. And it's actually a really cool moment in the issue because uh, the goblin still believes Octavius is Spider-Man. And uh, he's, I forget what the goblin says to Spider-Man and uh, Spider-Man comes back. He says, well, it's better than flying around with a man purse. And uh, the art is so brilliant. The art, the Green Goblin stops smiling and his eyes get really big. And it's it just really small says, it's you. He realizes that little joke that Peter Parker's back. And Peter Parker kicks his ass and uh, pulls off his mask. And it's the president of the rival chemical company um, for Oscorp. But it's actually Norman Osborn who genetically changed his face and stuff to so people wouldn't know who he was. Uh, yeah. That, no way. Yeah, that's a little underwhelming. I was really hoping it'd be like uh, Harry's ex-wife or his even his ex-wife, uh, his ex-wife or Harry Osborn. Um, but that it's Norman Osborn and he just changed the way he looked and he's actually grew a mustache. So I'm like, really, <laughs> a mustachioed <laughs> villain? <laughs> Whatever. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he fell for my plan. <laughs> um, so Pete actually injects Norman with the cure. So he's no longer has a super strength and the goblin formula, but it also cures Norman Osborn of his insanity. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, right. 
Uh, I'm sure he's going to figure out a way, like a super soldier formula, and he, I'm sure he'll be back. I mean, like the last shot is him. I'll find a way to come back. So this whole um, time, like Peter's been like in the back of Octavius's subconscious. Yeah, he's hanging out. Yeah, well, he's been around. Uh, I called it the ghost of Peter Parker, but he's actually been like in his subconscious, trying to fight his way out. Um, for a long time, he was fighting. His memories and Octavius's memories were blending, and he couldn't find a way out. And then. When Anna Maria, who's Otto's girlfriend, gets kidnapped and he realizes that only Pete can save him, uh, Otto goes in and just wipes himself out of existence. And I know, it's lame. It's Freaky Friday. So he does wipe out Peter completely? No, he wipes out himself oh. from existence. Um, we'll see. I'm just happy to have Peter Parker back. Because that's the one thing that's been missing in Spider-Man is it's not... Like, Spider-Man's not fun. So it's... Like, you're rooting... You're reading a book about a guy who wants to redeem himself, but he has no redeemable qualities. But the story, it, the loose ends were tied up kind of cool. And then there's a great little ending about Mary Jane going away. And eh, can't wait for Amazing Spider-Man comes out next week in comic book form and in movie form. And that's... Uh, that's called Synergy. <laughs> yes. That, that was not planned at all. Yep. <laughs> Um, cool. Yeah, that's a comic. Pick it up. Uh, you might be able to pick it up. I know it's a really popular issue. I know that Superior 30, they didn't say Peter Parker was coming back in that issue, and it sold out like in a day. So, I'm sure, uh, you might be able to find it. I'm sure they'll release a second printing of it. Yeah. <laughs> or you can probably digitally download it. It's fun. Get glad to have Pete back. Hey, this is the stuff we watched this week. I actually didn't watch hardly anything. Um... The Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon came out on Blu-ray, so I watched the first season of that. And the show is really fun. Um, it says the complete series. It is a complete series, finally, on Blu-ray. And it looks great. I mean, the thing with animation on Blu-ray is it's just so clean. And uh, and it's in widescreen. And they made it fit on widescreen TV, so it, the action fills up the screen. That So you had the DVDs of that before? Mm -hmm. And they're all full frame? Yep. And they're all... The first seri season came out as one set. And then the season two was in volumes. So they had like three episodes on each disc. Ugh. Yeah. And so they finally released it. And they actually gave it a kind of a cool little um, slip cover. It's like a hologram and like in 3D. So good for them. Um, it's a cool show. If, you've, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, it's a bummer they don't make that show anymore. They had lots of fun with it. Spider-Man's cool in it. Um, they take what you know about Spidey and they kind of add their own little twist to it. Like Harry Osborn actually is the Green Goblin in that one. And he abuses the drugs that his uh, dad has made. And so he's kind of crazy. It's kind of an interesting take on the Green Goblin. Tombstone, who's a really cool villain in Spider-Man that a lot of people might not know. He's actually um, the evil guy in it. And he's this huge crime boss. So that's really cool. Um, the action scenes are really fun. Um, they're really well done. It's a good show. You should check it out if you haven't. Um, and the only other thing I actually watched, I went and saw Oculus, which is the new horror movie about a cursed mirror um and when i saw the trailers for it i really wasn't that excited about seeing the movie but after i started reading reviews of it i think it's like at 80 percent on rotten tomatoes i said no oh, you know what if the critics like it and uh but here's the thing the critics have it like at 80 percent uh the raiders like me and you on rotten tomatoes have it at 50 percent <laughs> so <laughs> it has like the shining written all over it um i <laughs> So, you know, I was like, whatever, I'm not doing, I had a free movie ticket, I'm not doing anything else. And so I, I went there, and I was the only one in the theater, so it cost them money for me to watch that movie. It's great. That's really, happened to me, like, yeah. Oh, man. 
at four four fifty yesterday. I was the only one there. And that was funny. The lady I said, she said, "What do you see?" And I said, "Oculus." She's like, "Oh, that's a horrible name for a movie." I said, "Yeah, a little bit." It's like better for sci-fi. Yeah, and two, you're asking a lot for people to understand what that means. You know, but I don't know what else you'd call a scary mirror. I don't know what else you'd call the movie. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or there is a horror movie called Mirrors, starring Kiefer Sutherland. That's true. Um, so in this one, it's uh, again the mirror is cursed with something. Um, they never really explain it. Um, but it's an interesting movie. Um, it takes place in the past and in the present, um, where this kid is in a psychiatric care because he shot his dad and he murdered his dad after his dad murdered his mom and it all it's all tied to this what did he do it with a gun well yeah he, so he got the gun from his like yeah it's i'll have to i have to really explain <laughs> it so um so his the son goes to a psychiatric ward because he shot his dad and he blamed the mirror for killing his dad and everyone's like that's crazy why would a mirror make you kill somebody his sister on the meantime became engaged to this auctioneer guy, kind of like Sotheby's, like that big auction house. Um, and so they, they locate this mirror and she sets up an experiment in their old house with this mirror to show that it's supernatural, that it's, it, in, it basically kills everything that's around it, like plants and it kills the dog and, and things like that. So she sets up cameras and ways to trick the mirror and, um, it's really interesting. Um, it starts a little slow, um, but when it starts going back and forth between present day and what happened to the family, it's kind of interesting because they actually mold and move the scenes as at playing at the same time. So as like the older kids are walking down the stairs, the younger kids are walking up, and it shows you like flashbacks that way. Um, Katie Sackhoff is in it. Um, she's probably the biggest name in it. Um, she plays the mom. Uh, and it's, 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 it's an interesting movie. The, the mirror makes people slowly deteriorate and, um, it gets in with the dad and the dad starts doing weird things. And yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of like the movie, um, but it takes a long time for it to get going. Um, and, but what it does really well is really effective as playing with, is this reality or is this not reality? What are you seeing is real? What are you not seeing is real? Um, because when you look in a mirror, obviously you're seeing a reflection. So, a lot of times they'll be looking at something and they're look it's looking back at them and so you're not sure what exactly is really happening in the movie. Um I don't I don't really want to spoil the ending but um you know the kids are there's some interesting parts where the mirror makes everybody think something's happening but it's not. So there's a part where the kids are arguing and then they leave the room. And then when they come back, something supernatural has happened. I think all the plants died or something. And then they watch the footage of the other camera. And the footage shows uh, the kids like pointing the cameras at each other and rearranging the room, even though you saw them not do it. So the mirror has a way of tricking the perception of reality. I don't know. It sounds confusing. It is. You have to really watch it. It's There's so much going on in it. I mean, probably the creepiest scene um, was kind of at the beginning um, where you – get an idea of what kind of movie you're in for that girl is trying to get this mirror to her old house and she's in like the auction house's back warehouse and she's looking in the mirror and in the background there's three mannequins and then she turns her head and there's only two and then you look in the mirror and there's three and they all like turn their heads so it, it's a perception on reality it reminded me a lot of uh 
And in my mind, every time something was happening, I was thinking of John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, where Sam Neill goes, this is not reality. That's all I could think of the whole time. Um, but yeah, you should check it out. Uh, it's definitely, I say rent it. It's not a movie you have to rush out to see in theaters. Because um, it doesn't really rely on jump scares, or it's not really gory. Um, you know, just if you're bored one night, check it out. That's all I watched. Wow. Yeah. Well, I watched a bunch of stuff. Cool. Um I think the first I'll do is Fateful Findings. It was a midnight movie I saw last week at the Esquire. What's that about again? I just rem- I just saw a trailer for that. What is it about? <laughs> what did it's I about see? a writer who is writing his next book. Well, he's telling everyone he's writing his next book, but he's actually writing a book about the government secrets he's uncovered. Uh, Who's in that movie? Nobody you know. Oh, no, that's right. You, I, I watched a trailer There's before no, you left. That's right. That's right. That's why I'm like, why the fuck does that name sound familiar? There's no name people in it. It's it's in the vein of the room where it's hilariously bad. Yeah, because you were showing me the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And I, you actually made it to the movie. Did you fall asleep? No. No? It was so funny. I stayed awake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I even know where to begin. <laughs> well, the dialogue in the, like, the trailer where you like, – there is huge government conspiracies. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Most of the movie is. Uh, so it starts off. I almost have to like narrate the movie to <laughs> describe what's going on. So in the trailer, there's that field, right? Mm-hmm. That the two kids are like skipping away down towards. Mm-hmm. And there's like that uh, photoshopped cloud that <laughs> yeah, mist, right. <laughs> like, mist streaks over the image. And we should say... Um, Maybe as you describe it, tell people to go to IMDb and watch you, the trailer. Yeah, YouTube Fateful Findings. Uh, they have a website, but unfortunately, like it's not available on home video or disc. Because no one wants to end. release it. Yeah, like I wanted to show it to everyone else just to show them how ridiculous this is, but I can't get a copy of it. But the trailer is online. So anyway, there's these two kids, and they're skipping into the forest, and they go to this tree. And then under the tree, there's this big like portobello mushroom. <laughs> and then it just like dissolves away and there's a like a a music box. Nice. <laughs> they open up and there's a rock inside and the kid keeps the rock <laughs> and then they like, put something else in the box and then bury it again. And then I think the next scene was it cuts it's into the future, I guess, and he's all grown up and then he is like waiting at a stoplight to cross the street mm-hmm. and then it breaks for him. He crosses the street, and then he gets hit. hit gets hit by a Rolls Royce. Nice. Uh, in hilarious, like green screen fashion, where he's <laughs> I did. Deposited in That's, in the the yeah. <laughs> That's in the trailer. That's in the trailer. And he goes to the hospital, and uh, his wife shows up there, and the do- doctor. Oh, what was the thing with the doctor? Uh, I don't remember, but one of the other like assistant nursing assistants is actually, I guess, at some point. Uh, he and the girl he was with in the forest like drifted apart. Oh, that's right. She moved away. Mm. So that was before uh, present day. They did a little flashback of that, of her moving away. And so they haven't kept in touch, And but apparently she's become this nurse at the same hospital. And then I think the same day he goes home, even though he's, he's had like Harvey Dent style <laughs> scar. On he said a line in the trailer and it's like he has this bandage and there's like a blood stain where his eyeball should be. Yeah, like two thirds of his face are covered in this like huge <laughs> elephant man style bandage. <laughs> and then, yeah, so he goes home 
after that and uh, he has this wife that he's having like problems with isn't there there's like a weird shower scene in the trailer yeah they he goes home they have a shower scene where like there's no actual nudity in the movie mm-hmm. but there's all tons of side boob and stuff like all like whenever there's a sex scene like the girl's always like chest down on the bed mm. um yeah and then that scene you see his ass but <laughs> <laughs> it's just terrible acting and terrible editing like you just have to see how awkward the movie is yeah the when you told me about it and i watched a trailer and you it's like oh wait till you see him in front of city hall it's like the worst green screen i've ever seen and apparently you have a visitor I do have a visitor. Um, pause, I guess. Uh, yeah, the whole government thing is like pretty much the end of the movie, like the last two or so three minutes. I don't understand what where the conspiracy of everything comes from. There's no conspiracy. It, the whole movie is um, like what they don't really show in the trailer is I think they have neighbors. There's these two neighbors that are like uh, – like the husband isn't satisfying the wife, and then they have a a daughter. Uh, God, I would. So they're fighting, right? Mm-hmm. It, but then it's like they have like the rest of the movie is them like having just hanging out together, um, the two couples, and there's like a barbecue, and then the um, arbitrarily the nurse from the hospital that's his long lost friend, with no invitation at all, just shows up to the party with like <laughs> her fiance. Um, and then, uh, at the barbecue, the main character realizes that, oh my God, this is the girl from uh, my past. And, uh, conveniently later, his own wife overdoses, <laughs> like she's a big pill addict. Mm. Um, so she overdoses and like conveniently he's able to get, or his long last friend, just the next time he sees her like, oh, oh yeah, they're jogging through the the park right mm-hmm. didn't plan on being there and she's like oh yeah i, I dumped my fiance for no reason <laughs> and then they get together and then so what was the fateful find i don't they found each other <laughs> they found each other yeah um, it was fate that my wife died of an overdose <laughs> yeah like everything works out for me hooray <laughs> and then the most hilarious part is at the end where he's he, um oh well the funny part is when he's writing he's just like he has his they have copies of his books that he's written in the past, but for the purpose of the movie and their budget, they just got like those old, like, uh, attorney volumes like of the law mm-hmm. that have like no specific. Co- they're just like the cloth cup, like black and red uh, spine or whatever. And so <laughs> he's in his office like signing those. Like oh, I have to autograph these books <laughs> or autograph my books for my fans. And it's like, they don't have his picture or the <laughs> There's title. no like yeah, it's slip just, cover or anything. It's like he went to the library and just pulled a bunch of reference books. <laughs> <laughs> so he's writing them. And then later on, uh, he's looking through those books for the government secrets, like the same books. They're supposed to be the other reference materials. Um, and he has like four laptops on his desk and he's always interacting with just one of them. But Doesn't he like slam it a couple times too? Yeah, but it's you can tell it's never on. He's just like tap 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 like he's, like he's never used a computer before. He's just like <laughs> I'm doing work. Click 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 click. So it's not as convincing as my turn in Pacho episode one. <laughs> no, not at all. You never see the front of the. Yeah, it's like he got some late eighties, early nineties laptops from Goodwill, and they just set them on the desk because <laughs> <laughs> he needs four work. of them to write his book. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. 
there's like one part where his wife comes in and like complains about something and he like flips out and he uh no no she doesn't complain she like starts to romance him and so they're like having this makeout scene and it's this wide shot and you don't really see their heads but he's just like reaching on the desk and just like kind of knocking everything off (laughs) (laughs) or her like and then there's like a close-up of his face and then you could just see like his arm reaching over and like picking up a piece of paper and then just like throwing it just like all over the place like they're just playing around like like they're not even in a movie anymore they're just Mm. like it's like it's almost like an outtake you're watching an outtake from the movie (laughs) um but the funny part is the end where he finally goes to city hall and starts talking about the government secrets which he never specifies any secrets he just says i've exposed the secrets and there's like individuals who represent the government who each do a testimonial about like I've been discovered and I'm sorry that I did this to the public. And then like one guy just reaches up with a gun and then shoots himself in the head. <laughs> and in like, his testimonial. Yeah. In the middle of his testimonial, <laughs> um, there's one guy who's like, I am the manager of the bank and I am sorry that I <laughs> of the bank and I'm sorry. And then like, I think one of them just hangs himself. <laughs> I didn't even have enough creativity to make up some bank name, <laughs> like America's bank. Yeah. America's bank. Yeah. <laughs> Bank of America. I guess he can't do that one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just goofy and just holy. Like, nice. everyone in the theater was doing the MSG3K thing, even myself. Like, nice. so, <laughs> at one point, because it was just, yeah. And that was way too much about <laughs> to talk about Fatal Findings. <laughs> so I have five others to go through. Um, most recently, I watched a movie called Computer Chess, which I thought was like maybe, I knew it wasn't a real documentary, but it was it looked like the style of, uh, like a, a mockumentary of people who play like compete in chess, but using a computer to do mm-hmm. it. So like they'll they'll see the the person's move, but they'll input it in the computer, and the computer will make the next move for them. Um, and it's highly rated, but I was kind of bored. Hmm. In fact, I was really bored watching it. Um, Never even heard of it. It's cool that it's like shot on like VHS looking. So it's not widescreen or anything. It's standard frame, but it's also the resolution of the movie. It feels like it's you're watching some, to their credit. It feels like you're watching something from like late seventies, early eighties. Mm. Uh, like all the production design good, but um, the characters and the story are just not that interesting. Mm. Like there's, it's basically a bunch of nerds, and the whole premise is they're having this convention at a hotel where they're gonna like all these computers from all these different tech colleges are competing together to. Uh, show which one has the best program the one that's most like a human being and then that program that wins is going to play against the highly rated chess guy like actual person Mm. um so but along the way it's just like there's one guy who's like the avant-garde programmer who's there to kind of stir things up but most of the movie he's just kind of like walk around the hotel at night between rooms like he doesn't get a room so he's like knocking on doors um and there's there's he's just like whole long conversations with all these computer programmers like discussing uh like their theories on computer programming then the mit computer uh fails right away so they have to call in the guy from the college hmm doesn't sound that interesting he shows up with his family and like (laughs) he's explaining to the one guy like oh this is why it failed but i gotta go back to i don't know doesn't sound that interesting and by the end like like weird stuff like for some reason there's all these cats <laughs> that are like just film at my house or yeah it looks like your house <laughs> um 
so the one guy who's trying to get a room like he finally gets a room and he opens up and there's like just a bunch of cats in it hmm. and then he has to go sleep in uh, this conference room where simultaneously there's this uh, another convention for like couples therapy so they're having like weird like yoga looking like yeah couples like they have like exercises together hmm. like where they hold hands or something um, and then later on the guy who runs that invites one of the nerds up to his room and tries to initiate like a threesome with um uh yeah hmm. and, and then predictably the winning computer uh guy competes against the national champion and that guy gets frustrated when the computer's actually beating him um and then the one nerd guy who's been from the mit he uh gets a prostitute then the movie and that's where it ends which makes sense I, yeah i was like what is the point of this hmm. so i don't know and then another movie i watched was uh it's called only the strong and it's like this early 90s uh capoeira movie hmm. starring mark Descascos, who you might remember from i think he hosted iron chef but i know mostly from double dragon yeah oh <laughs> man I, i'm pretty sure i've seen this trailer uh it's about uh this former uh serviceman who i guess he got discharged honorably <laughs> or dishonorably didn't quite catch that but he goes back home to the high school that he used to go to and uh he's just visiting a teacher there when all of a sudden a fight breaks out between the students who are like selling drugs on campus and then naturally naturally and so there's this teachers meeting and he proposes i want to teach a class for all your worst students i want to teach them a capoeira class i'm pretty sure i've seen a trailer for this um where did you see it at well i was referred to it because in the production for john claude van damme's dan van our movie Mm -hmm. uh i thought i think adam sent me a picture of the villain from the movie who we modeled he has a ponytail um and like like the big shirt mm-hmm. <laughs> and pleated pants thing. Um, sent me a picture that I photoshopped uh, Cougar Littlefield's face on for the character design. But uh, it was like, so when I saw it pop up on Netflix, I'm like, oh, I should watch this movie, see what like the whole thing is about. Um, so that's where I got it from. What were you asking? I just seen, I think I've seen a trailer for it. Yeah. So he starts the class. Um, obviously, right away, the kids don't take to it. Um, but he managed to like, convinced like one kid that it's cool and then eventually all the others follow suit obviously but there's a one kid who's his brother is like the miami gang head of the miami gang <laughs> what's, what's the name of the miami game the, the what was the one in basketball <laughs> what was their name oh i remember uh, whatever nothing as controversial as the yeah San Francisco like Ferries. the miami dealers or something they're probably the dealers yeah yeah I, I, I think that's actually what it was so anyway <laughs> Um, but he's also, co- uh, coincidentally, also a capoeira master. <laughs> so w- when uh, this teacher tries to go, like, go get this one kid who doesn't want to be a part of the g- group, like, when he goes to convince him to show up, his brother shows up and kicks his ass, the teacher's ass. And then basically the whole rest of the movie is like this potential gang war. Eventually the gang leader tries to burn down the school hmm. um ends up killing one of the kids that's in the group accidentally 
Um, the gang member accidentally killed him? Yeah, in the fire mm. that he set to the school. Wasn't plan- he was trying to kill the teacher <laughs> friend of his. So the kid's collateral damage? The, kid's, <laughs> the funny part of that scene is, like, so you think that this te- like the teacher that the main character was friends with, like, he's unconscious and about to die of asphyxiations, and then you think, like, that guy's going to die and be the catalyst for our main character to go after him. But when he survives, because the two kids pull him out of the room, you're like, oh, well, crisis averted, you know, not too bad for a PG, I think it's a PG movie. Um, not too dramatic, but okay. It's still enough to make him want to, like, want revenge, right? Hmm. But then the kid goes back in the room to rescue the musical instrument <laughs> that's, like, really important to the capoeira style. And then that kid fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking dead. Yeah, like ouch. <laughs> like you already, you, you could have like gotten us with the other teacher, but wow, went really hardcore killing the kid too. <laughs> so that was uh, like storytelling wise. I'm like, wow, that's excessive. Um, so yeah, and then obviously uh, our main character flips out and try, t- tries to take on all the his gangs in Miami, and um, he gets saved by his his classmate or his kids his uh students hmm. and uh yeah so that was kind of a, a <laughs> it was kind of enjoyable because is like, it one of those like enjoyable 90s movies where you're like it's goofy and it's kind of fun it's stupid but it's like it's just kind of a feel-good thing where yeah, like, yeah he took these <laughs> he the did take on worst kids dealers. in school yeah. and turned them around and gave them something to shoot for you know mm-hmm. they don't have to be drug dealers like their brothers <laughs> they, they can be capoeira masters yeah um and then I watched uh, a Simon Pegg movie called A Fantastic Fear of Everything. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Have you heard about that? It looks great. And it's, like, very visually uh, stunning. But the story is not at anything like the trailer made. Yeah, I heard that. Me. Yeah. I read a review of it uh, somewhere, and it said the same thing. You think, like, he's going to be haunted by the supernatural or mm-hmm. be, like, afraid of everything. But it turns out he's only afraid of laundromats. So, like, there's two things going on. He, so he's a Simon Pegg's character is a writer, and he's been successful with a children's book. But he's trying to write this thing about uh, murders, like famous murders in London. Mm-hmm. Like, do a. I don't think it was like documentary style of it, or I don't think it was biographical. I think it was more like he's adapting these stories into his own thing. But all that research has made him go like, be very suspicious of everything around him. Um, but then the movie just kind of devolves into like him trying to figure out why he's so afraid of everything based on some childhood trauma involving the laundromat. And um, yeah, and there's like one real killer currently going around town. Um, but like eventually finds him and it's involved with the laundromat. It's very like underwhelming. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to remember. and then like he has this aversion like his agent wants him to create another children's book based on this hedgehog and then he doesn't want to do that and then eventually he just that's like the end of the movie he he ends up convincing i don't think anyone's ever, ever gonna see it so i'll just spoil it uh he uses this story he makes up about the hedgehog that he should be writing about to convince the killer that's captured him to not kill him and the story is basically something about like two hedgehog brothers who I guess the allegory is they are him and the killer are like 
because they have this fear, like they're both abandoned at the laundromat. It's, hmm. yeah. Bummer. As everyone pr- listening probably knows, I'm terrible at explaining things, but <laughs> so it's probably making it sound worse than it is, but I don't know. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing I saw, which actually surprisingly, it, like I didn't think I would enjoy as much as I did, but I watched Coneheads again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, the first thing that caught my attention was it's directed by Steve Barron, who directed the Ninja Turtles movie. Is it really? So I was like, oh, this should be interesting. And then, uh, like right away, the more the most interesting I noticed right away is the the style of the like. It's an it's a Saturday Night Live movie, so mm-hmm. there's like a certain style that all those movies have, except for like this one. Like I haven't seen the movie since the nineties. I'm I've, getting one thing I remember is Chris Farley's in it as like the prom date. Yeah, well, the, in the first five or six minutes, there's like cameos from like tons of SNL people, um, and then just like like p- people who are like, oh my god, what happened to that guy? Um, they used to be super famous, um, but in the first five or ten minutes, like the the coneheads i forget the race do they have a, a name <laughs> you're asking I, I remember the character names but i don't remember like so the coneheads right mm-hmm. there's like this stop motion animation style to everything they do like their movements and mm-hmm. everything that's like really fascinating hmm. like 1993 post ninja turtles <laughs> um it just looks like dan Aykroyd and jane Curtin are like are stop motion animated it's so bizarre but also like intriguing at the same time hmm. you have to see it to like yeah i haven't seen it since i think i saw it on video because like we rented it from there used to be an old video store by golden high school and my mom would take us there on like friday nights and we pick it and i know i picked coneheads one night and i just remember chris farley going cheese and like his hair blew up or something I, yeah I, that's all i remember um it's just yeah it's really interesting like what they do like the coneheads are so like there's such i just remember being obnoxious they're obnoxious but they're like there's early on when they the story arc in general is kind of like wow they actually like wrote a solid movie to me um but there's like really disturbing things like when he goes to the like beldar goes to the dentist to get his teeth fixed and uh john lovitz is the dentist and he has him open his mouth and like he has three layers of teeth and like has this weird like beetlejuice style like prosthetic <laughs> like it's so um bizarre and like early on i don't even want to go in there that's my job it's terrible it. <laughs> early on when they first come like arrive at earth uh like they have to get this motel room and then michael richards is the <laughs> like the motel uh desk clerk or whatever and like beldar's eating toilet paper from off the roll and he has like this long stream so it's like i think it's reverse stop motion mm-hmm. to go into it um and then jason alexander is their neighbor um and the weird thing about the whole thing is like no one question really questions like their cone heads <laughs> like they just like, the cone has just explained that they're from france <laughs> um is that anything coming back to you nope <laughs> nope <laughs> not a single thing yeah it's so anyway beldar gets a job uh, working for Sinbad at this like electronics repair shop. Um, and Sinbad then, in a windbreaker. Yes. Nice. <laughs> the whole tracksuit look. <laughs> Love it. Um, David Spade is the assistant to Michael McKean, who are like immigration officials. <laughs> and so there's. Uh, oh, Adam Sandler is like this guy who gets illegal documents for people, like gets different identities for them. 
Um, and then he's basically recycled uh, some name a bunch of times. And so Beldar gets this name and then it triggers immigration. Like, uh, I think it's Deticcio or something. He's shown up 10, 10 times as like different uh, identities. We should go track him down. Um, so like for the next 20 years, uh, immigration is like tracking down the cone heads. And meanwhile, Beldar just keeps getting his way out of it. And like, they start a family and like raising them. And then it's actually a, like a nice story of how they become like, uh, Remulac is their home planet. Mm -hmm. And they've been waiting for like a rescue team to come. But the, you know, they said like, I was going to take 20 years to, so you got to have to adjust. So they have a kid. And then basically like when they finally get a chance to go home, like they go home and they find out like based on some technicality that they're going to kill Beldar. <laughs> so, um, he orchestrates like they have to fight like a rancor basically. Nice. And then, um, I don't remember any of this. He wins. And then they, he's like, okay, to their leader, like, um, as reparations, I'm going to enslave humanity for you. So they basically get the whole, uh, army to fly to which it took 20 years to get a rescue party to <laughs> earth but in like a day they're gonna go back to earth to enslave humanity. the coordinates they finally figured out the coordinates <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh he basically tricks his own race into thinking that they died uh killing like in the part like the humans have this technology that's able to is better than theirs so they flee and then hmm. they basically adopt um Earth is their new home. I don't remember any you of this. That. Yeah, I'm not explaining things great today. No, it's not. I think you're explaining. You're like you're telling me things. I'm like, I think I remember how that happened in that movie, but I don't remember the beats of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't remember any of it before I watched it. I was like, oh my god! Like, there's this again, and this again. Like, there's all these people. That hmm. uh, Phil Hartman is like one of the Remulac uh, assistant guys. Um, uh, yeah. Like anyone from like the early nineties, uh, SNL is in that movie. And then people from Seinfeld are in it. <laughs> um, yeah, just a big cameo fest. Yeah. Chris Farley. He's, a uh, initially like this douchebag mechanic who's trying to, uh, get with his daughter, but then he's like turned around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember he's, I think I remember Farley being in it like the most of, yeah, he's a pretty major character. Yeah. yeah. And then David Spade ends up, <laughs> getting exiled to uh of course because he's probably like a smart ass i can't even remember he, yeah he's, he's the yes man yeah and so he becomes the yes man for the remulator leader too um yeah. yeah i thought it was fun yeah i'll have to watch it again people I... hate on snl movies but i think that's the first one right i don't know like no no obviously ghostbusters yeah, yeah. i guess was the blues brothers like a skit before it became a movie i don't think so but i mean it has a lot of the same guys in it you know yeah. the early 80s snl yeah, and lastly, I started watching Mad Men season six. Um, it's been out for a year, but it's it's finally on Netflix for free, and I got sucked into that because it's more about the ad campaigns again, which I like. I think last season was more about um, just the characters and their relationships with each other, but I like the show more for like how are we can solve this or how are we can get this business and whatnot. So, yay, Mad Men! I know you don't like it. That's why I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> go any further. There's not much else. I'm only four episodes in, so but I think it's it's fascinating when they're talking about like clients and how to convince them that how to sell their product. We're gonna scour the internet, Brad, and pull up some real news. 
It's real news. Um, some cool news from the people we met at Telluride Horror Show this last year, 2013. Delivery, the movie that made its world premiere there, is getting a U.S. release. Uh, yeah, and they're changing the name. What? It's actually called Delivery, the Beast Within. Why? Um, uh, I'm sure it has something to do with the people who decided to distribute it. Um, but the new poster is actually kind of cool. It has like a pregnant belly and it has like a monster hand around it. Um, and it makes sense if you've seen the movie. Um, <laughs> I really want to know what they, how they feel about Devil's Do that came out earlier yeah. this year. You know, I, I do want to see that one, but I think that their movie was so effective that well, I don't want to see it. I just want to know how their feelings on it. Cause it, I'm, I can't say it feels like it would probably like we like theirs so much. I can't imagine us liking mm-hmm. Devil's Do. Um, but we haven't seen it, so yeah, whatever. It comes but, out on... It actually was one of the Blu-ray releases this week. I just skipped it. But it looks so similar to them. Like, how do you feel about like that Hollywood mm-hmm. movie beating you to the punch? You know, And you know that the, their movie came out so much longer before because yeah, they went to Telluride, and then they've been going all over the world premiering the movie. I know it's already been released on Blu-ray in Australia and the UK, and so good for them. Um, I think sometimes they change the name um, just because for american audiences because delivery the uh whatever but it's an american movie to begin with yeah <laughs> i know but then i'm sure they tested something and part of the distribution deal which i understand i mean um i also always call it delivery um it's just a subtitle so hopefully yeah. it'll be um there'll be sequels <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think they, they could make sequels on it um their premise is interesting enough um also speaking of new names the hobbit there and back again changed its name officially to the battle of the five armies um whatever uh i I like there and back again but um the battle of five armies it has a little more to do with the plot because i know that it's going to be huge battles at the end and that should be interesting it's one of the situations where you could just named it the hobbit one two and three Mm -hmm. people still would have come out so i don't know why they're so hung up on the name yeah um i yeah i read a because peter jackson posts pretty cool things on his facebook page he posts lots of video diaries and stuff uh, but I guess they're uh, the desolation of smog. There's made up. Yeah, um, is going to be the extended cuts like another 19 minutes. So they just got done scoring all original music for it. So there you go. So remember, guys, when the Hobbits or the Lord of Rings come out, wait. Any Peter Jackson movie uh, lately, just wait. You know, like three more months, and you'll get like the deluxe edition of stuff. Yeah, and I guess one of the ideas is they'll probably save the. Uh, there and back again as a name to call the box set of mm-hmm. the whole Hobbit trilogy. So, and, and actually, you know what's coming. And I'm reading Peter Jackson's reasoning behind it. He said it made more sense when it was just two movies because, you know, the second movie, they'd go there and then he'd come back home. So, yeah. um, it's fine. I don't care. I just thought it was interesting that they're reporting it and then all of a sudden it just happened. It's just focus on making the movies more interesting. <laughs> the title uh steven spielberg is going to be directing roll dolls the bfg which is one of my favorite roll doll books what's the bfg the big friendly giant um it's a really cute book about how a boy befriends a, a giant um, and their friendship that bonds through it it's a really cute book um it's one of my favorite roll doll books that and the witches are my favorite books by him and when i was a kid i loved roll doll i used to get his books all the time at the library um so cool i, I love seeing spielberg um Every once in a while, I'll do children's movies because Tin, uh, The Adventures of Tin Tin was really good. And where's the second half of that? <laughs> uh, as soon as Jackson's done with The Hobbit, it's mm-hmm. his turn to do it. Um, so yeah, so good for Spielberg. 
Um, I also read that Miss Doubtfire is the most aired show on cable or movie on cable this year, 66 times on five separate networks. Um, Batman versus Superman adds Cyborg into the mix. Ray Fisher, which is now just sounds like a Justice League movie. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not selling it as Justice League. This is Batman versus Superman. I wonder if they're thinking that if they wait long enough that people forget that they're competing against like the Avengers. Uh, no, sense? Captain America 3. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like the whole like they want to they want to do the Marvel mm-hmm. uh, what's the uh, word? My trend? Expanded universe? No, the Marvel <laughs> strategy. Mm-hmm. They want to basically copy it but they don't want people to label it as hey we're copying it mm-hmm. so i wonder if they're thinking like oh well we'll just roll out these little things um that eventually build to the same thing and if we roll them out separately without making a big fuss about it then people won't make the comparison but we're doing it anyway so they have their work cut out no i mean i want to see the movie and i think it can be cool if they just focus on superman and batman because now what you're doing is, is a lot of times now you're bloating the movie I mean, Cyborg, what's he going to have to do with the movie? You already have, like, three villains in it. And now you have Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Cyborg. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. I hear maybe uh, Metallo. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's gonna be I'm going to see it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to see it, and I'm not going to judge oh, it until yeah. I see it. But it just seems, why don't they just call it Justice League? I don't know. They probably are. It doesn't officially have a name yet. So. That's true, too. In um, very well. That may be the name for it, but... I still think The World's Finest might be the coolest name for I'm it. I'm just worried with all these unestablished characters. Like, because Marvel, they established... Yeah. Those, um, like, third and second tier characters before they did a team-up movie, so... Yeah, but, you know, the I Avengers' success is... I mean, it's because the Iron Man movies work so well. And then, I mean, you have Iron Man, and then you can just trickle down. When you have 200 or $170 million movies with Thor and Captain America, you have that built-in audience... Where Wonder Woman is a really cool character, but is there a built-in audience for Wonder Woman? You know what I mean? It's We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, and kind of the last thing is Disney is now hired John Turtletob, who did uh, National Treasure, to make It's a Small World movie. Which, I don't know what the premise could be, but maybe it's some guy trying to rescue children around the world or something, or... Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting choice. Like, there's so many other more adventurous rides at yeah. Disney World to make a thing out of. But since it's a ride based on music, I am terrified that <laughs> we're going to get a It's a Small World remix by, say, Taylor Swift or <laughs> Pharrell Williams. <laughs> Pharrell Williams. <laughs> Who's doing the Spider Man soundtrack? Oh. I know. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, they surprise he's everybody really with. scoring it? Or nah, he's a, a collaborator. He's with who's doing it? I think it's James Howard actually is doing it. He's back, yeah. Um, but you know they they had a success with Pirates of the Caribbean, so you never know. They can figure out. I don't know what it could be about though. Like the pirates thing, you can just take pirates and make a movie around it. The haunted mansion obviously is ghosts. Small world is a bunch of weird looking animatronic dolls. Bunch of that, Dutch looking little dolls. <laughs> exactly. So I guess maybe an animated movie might work if it's a. I don't know. Um, it's p- above my pay grade. I'm sure they'll figure something out. Um, the most successful studio yeah. right so, now. So. so what am I going to say to them? Because yeah. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They'll be like, you know what, dude? Fuck you, man. <laughs> you can't tell us what to do. <laughs> That'd be sweet if I got a, 
a letter from Disney with like, like a Mickey a Mickey Mouse like card. It's just his ears fold out. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we heard your show. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Hey, do you have uh, two hundred million dollars to sink into a movie that no one cares about? Lone Ranger and John Carter. Yeah, didn't think so. <laughs> Can you take a loss on a movie like we did? And still <laughs> back to back years. Yeah, <laughs> not care because we still made the Avengers. It made one point eight billion. I didn't think so, buddy. And so, Frozen. <laughs> and Frozen, that just crossed a billion. Yep. Oh, yeah, I actually wrote that down, too. 400 million at the domestic. Highest grossing, almost the highest grossing animated film ever. Toy Story 3 is at 413, and Shrek 2 passed that. is 408. No, it's only at 400. I know it passed The Lion King. Yeah. Well, worldwide, it's the highest grossing animated movie. Yeah. Which matters now. Because, you know, something like Amazing Spider-Man 2, which we're seeing next week, has already been open in, like, for two weeks around the world. It's already made, like... 190 million dollars in like two weeks already it's production budget back before it's even opened here yep go spidey yeah go spidey uh this week the real nerds went saw draft day brad should people invest a first round pick on draft day (laughs) i don't know about first round pick um i guess it's a rental um i was more interested I really enjoyed the end of the movie. <laughs> Everything leading up to it, I was like, meh. <laughs> so I'll tell you more in a minute. Uh, yeah, I've kind of the same way. I did enjoy it, though. I mean, I, I like seeing Kevin Costner starring roles because I really like him as an actor. Um, but yeah, this is probably a rental. But I still had fun with it. Here's a trailer for Draft Day. This is the draft day Browns fans were waiting for. Sonny, I hope you're listening. You run this team. You're the general manager. You can fix it. Hey, Tom. Hey, Sonny. Sonny. Every year, someone comes out of this looking like a donkey. Can you hear me? Yeah. Good, because tomorrow I got a feeling it could be you if you don't make this deal. Let's talk about the draft. I need you to make a splash, Sonny. If you can't do it, then I have to do it. Just to be clear here, you're threatening to fire me, right? Your job is to coach a team I give you. They do it different in Dallas? Yeah, they do. They win. A lot. How is it that the ultimate prize in the most macho sport ever invented is a piece of jewelry? We talk football? We can always talk football. I just want the team that I want, one time. You see things other people don't see. Rewind that back to the start of the play. That's one of the things I love about you. All that matters is what you think. Write your own story, Sonny. I want this team's future back. Let's get busy. Draft day. History in the making. 224 young men are about to become players in the National Football League. Bo Callahan, he's the surefire slam dunk number one pick. Trade me. I'm going to do what's best for the team. This is the draft analysis we've all been working on for the last two months. Just made a trade with the Seahawks. Sonny, that's our future. You sold a cow for magic beans. How does the entire world already know about this, Mom? Because I just tweeted it. You're on Twitter? You're not. I love having the number one pick. <laughs> I hope that you would. The Cleveland Browns are now on the clock. It's go time, boss. You got row. Who are you going to take? What's happening? Who are you picking? You son of a... I need five minutes, and then you can fire me. I got Tom Michaels on the line. Sonny, are we trading six? I quit, Sonny. Don't quit. See what I do from here. 
You're gonna like this. The football world is in shock, wondering what exactly the Cleveland Browns' Sonny Weaver Jr. is cooking up here. You're not gonna believe what's happening. You make this deal right now, say it with me. An absolute stutter. Okay, screw it. No more offers. Oh, no, no, no. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? Which, by the way, is not a good trailer. <laughs> uh, I mean, the story is, is Cleveland Browns general manager fired his dad. I mean, there's some interesting B stories here. You know, he his dad was a coach. He fired the coach and his dad died just before the draft. Um, his girlfriend is pregnant. Um, his mom and his ex-wife hang out with each other. Um, and so he has a lot going on on top of the fact that he has to do this draft. Um, is is uh, the team owners pressuring him to... He want he wants him to not do like the smart thing. He wants him to do the like attention grabbing. Yeah, like the bold move. Yeah. I mean, his owner is looking at it in money sense. He says, "I don't care if you mortgage the future. I want to win. I want people to be in the seats now. I want." It's weird that his goal is, I don't, I don't, I want you to sell tickets to games throughout the season. I don't really care about the Super Bowl. Hmm. Like, I don't want you to build a Super Bowl team. I want you to build a ticket. Which is fascinating. There's a lot of sports teams like that. The Rockies are like that, where it's <laughs> they'll build enough. They'll win enough, and the games are exciting enough where people will go, but they never do quite enough for them to win at all. Yeah. Um, and the Cleveland Browns are the same way. I mean, they got in a lot of trouble this last year. Remember, they traded their all-star running back to the Colts. Nope. <laughs> oh, they traded Trent Richardson to the really Colts. I don't really pay attention to the offseason, so. Uh, no, this is during the middle of the season. Oh. They traded Trent Richardson to the Colts, and um, Cleveland's weird. Uh, well, did that work out for the Colts? Uh, they won a playoff game, so yeah. Hmm. I don't think he did very well, though. Yes. So it's, you know, it's hit or miss. And, you know, there's a lot going into it. This was billed as like the uh, the football version of Moneyball, which it kind of is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I don't think um, where in Moneyball, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill are really great. But all the people around them are great, too. Um, where I don't get that same in this the draft day. Where I think um, Kevin Costner is great. Dennis Leary is good. Jennifer Gardner is fine. Um, but like his cronies aren't as cool as the guys in Moneyball. Yeah, where you have like a Philip Seymour Hoffman and things like that. And also, like, there's two things going on for me where, um, so in Moneyball, it doesn't really. I don't get the sense that it's like, oh, here's a commercial for baseball. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, here's a story about this guy. Um, in Draft Day, I really feel it's like an I'm NFL being commercial with like a commercial for the NFL draft, which I yeah. already hate because it's the most. The the one thing I did appreciate about this movie is it does echo my sentiment of like how inconsequential the draft really is yeah like in the long run like you're nothing's a sure thing Mm -hmm. it's like you can they spend all this time trying to get like these number one picks and stuff but at the end of the day it's you're left with performance and injuries can screw that up too and exactly it it doesn't really matter um speaking of performances here's a scene of kevin costner wheeling and dealing in draft day did you just trash my office yeah i'm upset well, I don't care if you're upset. If you're upset, call your agent. All right, let him have this conversation. That's what he's there for. No, Sonny, you're going to talk to me man to man. You owe me that. I owe you? I drafted you. Your dad drafted me. No, Drew, I drafted you because I believed in you. Then why pick Callahan? You know why. Then trade me. I'm going to do what's best for the team. The best thing for this team this season is me. He's really good in it. I mean... He's one of those actors I always have really enjoyed. Um, even people who don't like Waterworld or The Postman, I still think they're cool movies. Mm. I mean, they're not great, but they're not unbearable. How some 
I think sometimes people get a bum rap for things that are there are no fateful findings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's the <laughs> opposite. I mean, um, and he's always really cool, and I love um, his westerns, and they don't make westerns anymore. Yeah, they do. They just not really, <laughs> not as uh, spectacular as they used to be. I suppose. I think the only western this year isn't it? Uh, One million ways to die in the west. It's a comedy, <laughs> and it's a comedy. Um, but you know, uh, and I I forgot that Ivan Reitman directed this and. It was a weird, he had weird, like, green screen stuff where people would be talking on the phone and be split screen constantly, and they'd move in and out of the screen. And... Yeah, for some inexplicable inexplicable reason, yeah, they have this, because I guess just this movie would be boring, like, all right, like it's just, because conver- the yeah. movie's really conversation scenes over and over again. Um, there's no, like, oh, here's a, we cut away to, well, I guess there was some, well, yeah, like, they're... B-roll of Elway. footage of, <laughs> yeah, Elway and Joe Montana playing, like, actual games. Mm-hmm. But no one's really, like, there's no, unlike the trailer we saw ahead of the movie for that, what, what was it called? <laughs> the voiceover even had to, like, read the text for us, because it was this name, for that, that football movie about... Oh, it's uh, the team Stand Up Now or something? Yeah, it's Stand Up Now or something. <laughs> and the team had 151 consecutive... This is, like, the most shallow movie I I have seen in a while. Mm-hmm. They won 151 consecutive games, and then they lost one, and it shattered <laughs> the, the town. The, the fabric of the town. It broke their spirit, and like one of the players got shot over it, and then <laughs> yeah. they have to rally back together, and the coach has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, right. you're still 151 and one. <laughs> and you're a high school football. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's still a sport. Yeah. When you graduate, you either get drafted or you have to get a job. Those yeah. are harder. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um but you know there are some funny moments. Oh, I, th- I told you, yeah, we're talking about this visual thing. There's still um, some funny moments. Like I loved the intern Rick in it. I thought he was really funny uh, when he was talking about <laughs> the the quarterback. That's the quarterback of the Browns, and the Browns are thinking about drafting this Bo Callahan. And he goes, and he told me to go have sexual relations with my mom. <laughs> But she's dead. <laughs> but she's dead. <laughs> but he didn't know that. It's just weird beats like that that were pretty funny. Um, I feel like a little forced comic relief. Well, I think they had to. They had to, like... And just, like, with the cuts, I think they... Because the movie's not even that technical. Like, no. the only time they started getting, like, the real technical part is, like, the last ten minutes. Yeah. When they actually do the draft. The rest of the movie is the relationships with, like, the people who want to get drafted, and they're contacting mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. And there's an issue with his girlfriend uh, and her being pregnant. Like, they're trying to deal with that. And then his dead father... It almost seems like there's a missing scene with the Kevin Costner-Jennifer Garner thing. Because... You know, he says, are you mad at me? And you like, you never got that sense with him that he did something so horrible or, you know, you know what I mean? Like there was no weight to it. You don't want to have a baby at 60. That's like what I got out of it. He was 60. I, I don't know how old Kevin Costner is in real life. I'm just. Or even his character. Yeah. He's going to be like, he had a dad who was just, I guess his dad could have been super old. Yeah. <laughs> like 80, 80 year old coach. Well, I mean, how? Well, I guess, yeah. Well, a seventy, coach was yeah. Coaching into his eighties. Um, um, it's interesting. I mean, the movie's cool. Uh, again, yeah, it feels like a commercial for the NFL. Yeah, um, all, yeah, all the draft stuff with like all the ESPN people mm-hmm. commenting. And I know they try to do that to make it authentic because that's what we recognize. Yeah. But the whole time is we all I see is logos and um, and things like that. There was a movie I just watched recently where they made it, Oh, final destination. They made it blatantly obvious that everybody was drinking Pepsi. Mm. And that's really obnoxious to me. Like, I don't care if I see it, you know, in times square or something. I understand that part, but when they're holding cups a certain way, so you see the logo and the name, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, the ending was like when you finally got together and you saw that Kevin Costner maybe actually did have a plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was like, like it got me on board. Like, wow, look at him go. Mm-hmm. Like, what, look at him make this deal. That's genius. If I, I'm not even sure it worked out anyway. Like, it's a lot of stuff has to fall into place, and a lot of people have to like arbitrarily agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, and I the ending didn't surprise me. I knew he was going to draft that kid first, that linebacker. Mm. Just because of how they set it up, and you know, um, but if some people in the audience they gasped, they were shocked. So you know, just like the Winter Soldier thing, sometimes it works. Uh, but again, it's not a bad movie. I think they were effective on showing how each component of the like the levels of operations have to deal with each other. Yeah, and what they like, and what everyone's motivation has to be. I think there's effective like showing like okay, there's this coach. Obviously, he his success is sort of manufactured, and they're trying to. But he, you can see him generally wanting to yeah. put a good team together. It's almost like he wants to prove himself, even though he feels like he's already proven himself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's that, oh, you inherited that team. And then he keeps on showing his ring. But then he has this really huge desire to win his way. and Yeah. And getting the right players and understanding, like, okay, I understand. Like, in the movie, I'm understanding, like, okay, I understand why they need a new quarterback. Or why they might need a new quarterback. Or why they need a running back. Like, all those things. Like, I understand Kevin Costner's mm-hmm. needs to fulfill for everybody yeah so, so yeah it's effective that way it's all right yeah yeah I'll pro- oh, i might watch it again you know i just like the performances in it kevin costner really um cool so next week we're seeing the amazing spider-man 2 the return of the green goblin do we have to yeah, you don't have to. I don't give a shit what you do <laughs> uh, i'm seeing it thursday in imax 3d and then i'll see it again at the alamo with you unless you want to see it <laughs> back-to-back days if i was a younger man probably I'm seeing it at seven in, at night. I'm not seeing it at midnight. Mm, maybe. Yeah, let me know. I'm at, I'm X three D. Three D. Three D. I might have. <laughs> I I was on board and, and I was yeah I was kind of on board until you said three D. I don't think I love it that much. It's gonna be what twenty dollar ticket. Sixteen. Yeah, we'll whatever. See. I'll see it by myself. I don't. Ca- I don't give a shit because uh, I'm going to see it back to back days anyway. So James isn't going. Uh no, he's seeing it at the Alamo on Friday. Hmm. Well, either way, either way, you'll be listening to a Spider-Man review. You will be our next episode. It'll be great. Maybe. Yep. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> you know, it's like it's. I'm sure you feel the same way about the turtles. You have hope that's going to be so great, and um, and then you just hope that they deliver. And luckily with Spider-Man, I've been pretty lucky. His movies have been pretty good. That. There's always a chance. Yeah, I don't know. With the new Ninja Turtles coming out, like, part of me, like, I want a, nin- a good Ninja Turtles movie, but at the same time, like, I don't know if I want that one to mm-hmm. be good. Yeah, but it's but hard. If it's not, I it, probably won't get it, another one. Then it ruins the Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's tough. Like, if that one's not successful, they're not going to take a chance on another one. Yeah. That would be in line with what I want. So I, I think that one will be successful, though. will be successful, but... It won't be the way I want it to. Like, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> well, how do everyone you... likes this odd, incorrect version of it. Maybe they'll really enjoy. It. You'll really enjoy it. You never know. We'll see. We'll see. Going, going with a pins good... and needles from here on out. <laughs> going with good thoughts. Yep. That's all I can do too. Until next week, we'll see ya, and everyone will be here. I think Zach Eastman might even be on the show next week because I think he wants to be on it. So we might even have a guest. And he's seen. He has seen it, fucker. Seen it already, yeah, somehow. But he he does want to see it with me at IMAX. He wants to get my immediate reaction. 
Maybe I'll be a dick and say, oh, I'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I think you know something controversial. Um, I, I already know how. I'm pretty sure I know how it's going to go. But uh, uh, anyways, bye. Suck my balls. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.